There we go. Technology. Ah, oh, it's good to be with you. Um, this is actually my third time here in two years, which is which is really exciting for me. I don't I don't travel a ton uh, to speak. I do I do a little bit, but I've really come to really love the city of Baltimore, and especially uh, love Ben and Rebecca. Um, they they're incredible people. Um, for for me, they were more people that I knew about for the last. 20, 25 years, um, and, and really they have a respect across the nation, really across the world, but I spend most of my time in this nation, <laughs> um, but they have a, a, there's a respect for them, and it's, it's really been an honor uh, to get to know them and, and their kids and, and to be with you again, and I was here two years ago, uh, the Sunday before the world changed, and I'm not going to predict anything, <laughs> but if the world changes this week... Don't, don't invite me back. <laughs> um, yeah. I, uh, we, we, the communion this morning, the, the Lord's Supper this morning, I was remembering uh, the first time uh, that we led uh, at our church with the, that arrangement. And I was, I was leading uh, the church through that, and I could not get the wrapper off the wafer. And I struggled with it and struggled with it. And I, I should have just faked it. Uh, but, I, but, I, but I just kept struggling with it. And somebody came up and gave me their wafer, and I was like, well, that kind of misses the point of, of, of what we're doing. But, uh, but we try. We try to push through uh, the challenges of our world, and there are uh, significant challenges in our, in our world, in our families, in our homes, and in our nation, and across the globe as we prayed for the Ukraine this morning. Um, but I, I love the church. I really, I like my church. I really do. I, I like where I am. Um, there, were, there were seasons where I did not like uh, the, the town and village and, and area of where I was, and, and God did a number on me and changed my, my perspective. Um, but I love my church. But more, more than I love my church, I love the church. I, I love the body of Christ, the capital C church um, that we already mentioned. Um, I, I do, and, and 24 years ago, I can't believe... I'm old enough to say 24 years ago, but 24 years ago, I, I spoke the, my first message, and I don't want to go back and listen to it, <laughs> but I spoke my first message out of John 17, which is Jesus's prayer uh, in the garden before he heads to the cross, and one of the things that he says in there is he prays that his followers would be one, and I'm, and I'm paraphrasing, but he says, so that his followers will be one, so that the world will believe God that you sent me. Jesus' prayer is that his followers across the globe would be one somehow. And, and it's almost impossible to, to comprehend what that could look like, considering that we have approximately 40,000 different denominations in our, on our planet. But somehow that we could be one, Jesus prayed, so that the world will believe. And if we aren't one, if we're bickering, if we're fighting, if we're criticizing, if we're on Facebook and we're commenting on other Christians, what does that say to everybody that's following us? Yeah, I really believe that Jesus was sent by the Father, yeah. And so it's on us to, to love the church in spite of uh, our differences, in spite of our disagreements, in spite of our failures, because uh, we all have failures and, and it's easy to point those out. But, but I love the church. As I was praying... Um, after, after dinner last night, I went upstairs for a few moments and 
was praying for you and praying for this morning, and the passage that, that God highlighted to me was Galatians chapter 6. And in Galatians chapter 6, the beginning of verse 4, Paul, Paul is, is finishing his letter to, to a church in, in this particular city. And his admonition in, in chapter 6 is, Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. And don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. And the, uh, I'll have to admit that when God highlights a scripture to me, my, the first thing I do is I grab my phone and Google where it is. <laughs> not always, but, but quite often we become dumber with our smartphones. <laughs> And I had to Google because I, I just had that phrase, don't be weary in well-doing, which is easy to become weary in well-doing because there's so much need and so much hurt and so much pain and so much difficulty that we walk through and we plow and we keep going. And the encouragement that I, that I was hearing from God and the encouragement that Paul is, is giving to this, to this church in this city was do not become weary in well-doing, but continually look for opportunities to do good. And where you plant, you will harvest. Yeah. And we aren't always guaranteed what that looks like. And sometimes it says that one waters and one plants and one waters and another, and another harvest. Sometimes somebody else harvests from, from the watering that you're doing, and that's fine. That's great. Sometimes you're going to harvest from somebody else's watering. But do not get weary in well-doing. Well, as Ben said, we're from northern New York, and we have four very distinct three-month seasons. I still have about two feet of snow on the ground outside my house. Uh, it's still there, and it's going to be there for a little while. Uh, we have very distinct three-month blocks. It's, my wife doesn't say it's warm for three months, but it's warm for three, three months in Messina. And it's extremely cold for three months in Messina. And it's a little nice in the spring and my favorite time in the fall um, in, in, in uh, our town. But I love the rhythms of creation. I, I love the way that God set it up. And I, I appreciate the, the week, the seven-day week, the 365-day year, the, the four seasons. And, and diff, uh, those play out in different places in different ways. But I, I love the rhythm of life. And I love the opportunity each new morning to wake up and, and to, to look behind and say, I'm going to leave, may possibly leave something behind that I need to, step into something new. Just that, that new opportunity, the Lamentations chapter 3, says the, the, verse 22 says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is thy faithfulness. His mercy begins afresh each morning. That's a promise mm -hmm. that God gives. Amen. That his mercies begin afresh each morning. Right. Because if you aren't looking for it, you can 
look past it. If you aren't waiting for it, if you aren't expecting it, you can have the wrong message. You can have the wrong thoughts. And so encouraging yourself every morning that his, his mercies are new every morning. His mercies never cease. I love, uh, I was telling Ben the other day, I love autobiographies, biographies as well, but particularly autobiographies. And I, I really enjoy just reading about whoever it is, whether a historical figure or you know, a tech figure or an entertainment figure, whoever it is, uh, pastor, leader, missionary, whoever it is, because you, know, you hear all the great stories and amazing opportunities and, and just breakthroughs. But then as you read, you, you discover the, the very humanness of every human. <laughs> the, the flaws, the difficulties, the, the things that had to be broken through, uh, the situations that arose, the things that they pressed through or, or didn't press through or where they failed or, or where they overcame. And, and you realize that they're just like me. <laughs> they're just like you. Every person on the planet, we, we, we're very similar. <laughs> and, and sometimes we, we gloss over and we, we look at people and, and we, we think that they are like of a different species, but they're not. <laughs> that we all have struggles and we all have gifts and we all have talents and we all have difficulties. And that encourages me. <laughs> it, it encourages me because, um, you know, our, our, our culture defines us as consumers, that, that we are marketed to, <laughs> we are sold to, we are, we are targeted as consumers, especially with social media and, and, and all of that. But, but the Bible describes us as creators, <laughs> that we were designed in the image and likeness of God that he set Adam and Eve in the garden and he said, have at it. Go, rule and reign and govern. And they, like us, mess it up. <laughs> but, that, but that image of God is still in them and still in us, that we are, we are meant to create, we're meant to design it. And we see, even in, I mean, over the last century, the, the multiplication of, of creativity and, and technology and just how it's like exponentially increased that we, we are a part of that, and we get to be a part of creating the future together. That you are a part of creating the future of Baltimore. That that is on you. And it's not meant to be a weight, it's meant to be a, a privilege and an honor that, that God has something for you, has something for you collectively, has something for you as even the, the entire church over, over the city of Baltimore, as something that he wants to create the future, that we get to be a part of that, that we don't just get to step back and let the world happen to us, but we get to happen to the world. But, the, but that takes initiative. That, that takes you actually stepping into that, stepping up to that. And what I, what I, what I see when I read biographies and I read people's lives or, or blog posts or, or whatever it is, is where people step up into the moment and they meet the moment. And that's a, that's a choice that we have every day to meet the moment. James chapter 1 and verse 2 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Sometimes you read a verse and you're like, it sounds good, but does, uh, walking it out is a little bit harder. 
walking it out. So let it grow. For when your faith, well, sorry, when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. My wife and I were talking about a week ago about some 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 changes that we made in the last year that made our life more complicated. <laughs> that we said yes to a number of things that made life like, made life harder. And one of those was getting a puppy. <laughs> What were we thinking? <laughs> we already had a seven-year-old dog that was perfectly trained and did everything that we asked it to do. And I mean, just it already was obedient. Why would we want to bring a puppy into that midst? Midst, midst. But we did, and it was rough. And, it, and it's, we're still working it out. You know, and then we brought other situations in, in, into our lives and invited, we invited things that made life what, what we... And, you know, sometimes you look back and you're like, we were so great before. I don't know if that's actually true, but we, we idealize. Like, it was so great before we made this decision. But we look back and, and we say, you know, this makes it harder. But then at the same time, we were talking about looking forward to this coming year and decisions that, that we're making now and, and things that we want to step into. And we're saying, are we crazy? <laughs> Do, like, why invite more discomfort? But yet there's an excitement to step in and, and a possibility that awaits uh, us as, as we move forward. I want to I focus this morning on Matthew chapter 15, a passage there, not the, whole, not the whole chapter, but a passage in Matthew chapter 15 and beginning in verse 29. It's going to be my, my, my text for this morning. In verse 29 of Matthew chapter 15, it says, Jesus returned to the Sea of Galilee, and he climbed a hill and he sat down. It says, A vast crowd brought to him people who were lame, blind, crippled, those who couldn't speak, and many others. They laid them before Jesus, and he healed them all. And the crowd was amazed. Those who hadn't been able to speak were talking, the crippled were made well, the lame were walking, and the blind could see again. And they praised the God of Israel. This is the, the context for, for the next story. And even, even in the book of Matthew, when you, when you read Matthew and, and all the gospel accounts, but it's just like miracle after miracle after miracle. Jesus is just going around and doing unbelievable things, just crazily shaking up the world. And the disciples are, are seeing this and they're overwhelmed. They're like, how is this possible? And what is happening? And, and this is the context that they've been following Jesus for a season and they're seeing the lame walk, the blind see, and it's becoming kind of normal for them. Like, this is like Jesus is just doing this everywhere they go. He's doing this. And so we come to verse 12, or I'm sorry, verse 32, and it says, Then Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. There's a large crowd around Jesus. They've been there for a little while. He says, they've been here with me for three days and they have nothing left to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they may faint or they will faint along the way. That Jesus, and we see this multiple times in the scriptures, Jesus is moved by compassion. That he sees a situation, he sees a person, he sees a, a, a dynamic and he's moved with compassion. He has like a, a, an actual something happening inside of him. It was described here as Jesus is moved with compassion that leads him to action. Mm-hmm. That he's, he's affected by what he sees, and then he says, we want to do something about it. And remember the build-up to the story. They're bringing 
the, the lame and the blind, and they're bringing people that are, have all man, manner of diseases and, and situations to Jesus, and he's healing them. They bring the, lime, the, the blind man and the, and the blind man sees. They bring the lame and the lame walk. And the disciples are, are seeing that one after another after another. And then we come to another situation. We don't have enough food to eat. And the disciples have a, have a different response. So the disciples replied, where will we get enough food here in the wilderness for such a huge crowd? And, and another uh, telling of the story in another one of the gospels I'll, I'll get to it later but they they recognize jesus send them away because we can't do anything about this that somehow they don't connect this problem to the other problems that jesus was meeting and i don't blame them i wouldn't either but i love the setup here that they see miracle after miracle after miracle there's a problem well, yeah let's let them go figure it out and we'll go the other way that sometimes there's, there's, a, there's a difficulty in, in them, and their, 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 their response to the problem is very different than Jesus' response. Jesus is moved to compassion, moved by compassion that leads to action, and the disciples see the problem, and they abdicate responsibility and say, we can't do anything about that. They, they see the need, they see what's, what's needed, and they don't even try. So Jesus asked in verse 34, how much bread do you have? And they replied, seven loaves and a few small fish. thought fishermen exaggerated. <laughs> but they, they, tend to mini- they tend to minimize here. And that detail, small, it seems superfluous. Like, if they were big, would it matter? <laughs> But they have seven loaves and they have two, is it right? Yeah, two small fish. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish and thanked God for them and broke them into pieces. And he gave them to disciples who distributed the food to the crowd. And, and we know the story. It says that 4,000 men and all the women and children that were there ate that day and there was plenty left over. More left over than there was to begin with. Sometimes I, I think that we think the difference between us and God is He has power and we don't. How Jesus is confronted with situations and He steps in and He heals, and then this situation comes up and the disciples are like, well, We can't do anything about that. And again, I, I sympathize with them. <laughs> I don't know if I would have been, I don't think I would have been any different. But sometimes we think that Jesus has the power and we don't. And so we see a situation that's bigger than us. We see something that we can't meet. And so we pray, God, do something about this. And God says, well, what do you have in your hands? What, what do you have? How sometimes we see a problem and we don't see the possibility that, that is in right in front of us. But Jesus does. Sometimes you have a problem that's too big for you. And so we abdicate responsibility for that problem. Instead of leaning into it. 
I think that's the challenge of, of this passage for, for us and for me and, and for you, is to recognize the problem, see what's there, and it is an overwhelming need, and to then recognize what you have, which is not very much. <laughs> but then what happens here is they hand what they have, as little as it is, they hand what they have to Jesus, and it says he prayed to God, he thanked God for it. And then he gave it back to them, and then they distributed it to the crowd. That Jesus did a miracle that day in, in handing it to the disciples, but then through the hands of his disciples, another miracle took place where 4,000 plus were fed. That through the hands of the disciples, it wasn't through the hands of Jesus, although it was through the power of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, but through the hands of the disciples, a miracle happened that day. Yeah. You know, Jesus says some confusing things in the scriptures, like, you're going to do greater things than I did. <laughs> and he says things like, it's better for you that I go, so that the Holy Spirit can come and lead you and guide you and convict the world of sin and give you power to be my witnesses. It's very confusing. It's better for you Better for us that you go? I don't think so. <laughs> I think it'd be better for us if you stay. But Jesus said, it's better for you that I go because Jesus, Jesus went around saying, I don't do anything that the Father doesn't tell me to do and I do everything through the power of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Right. Paul tells us in the book of Philippians that, that Jesus somehow, I don't understand it, but somehow Jesus laid aside his divine attributes. He laid aside his godness to become a man for a season and then was filled with the Holy Spirit and prayed and had a communion with the Father and the Father told him what to say and the Holy Spirit empowered him to do the things that he did. And so when Jesus looks at the disciples and he looks at you and he says, now you're going to do greater things than I did, that's only possible if we're listening to God and we're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. That you and I can do greater things than Jesus did on these pages through our connection to the Father and through our connection to the Holy Spirit and through our reliance on Jesus. Oftentimes we, we pray appropriately for God to move without recognizing what he wants to do with what's in our hands. As, as I mentioned in Luke chapter 9, a similar, similar passage, Luke chapter 9 and verse 12 says, Late in the afternoon the twelve disciples came to him and said, Send the crowds away to nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this remote place. That they want to push the problem away. They're actually proactive in that account. They came up with an idea and they, they, they ran it by Jesus. And Jesus said in verse 13, you feed them. <laughs> Jesus, are you confused? <laughs> I don't have what it takes for this problem. I don't, I don't have the resources. I don't have the talent. I don't have the gift. I don't have the bread for this need. This need is too great for me. And Jesus looks straight at them and says, you feed them. <laughs> What do you have in your hands? What has God placed in you? 
what talent, what compassion, what perspective, what heart, what resources. It's never going to be enough (laughs) by some measurement, but not by God's. You know, when when a tragedy strikes like what's happening in, in the Ukraine right now, you know, all of our social media, we send our thoughts and our prayers. <laughs> and I, I don't want to minimize that because I believe that prayer changes the world. But I also believe that so does our money. <laughs> yeah. And so does our efforts. And so does our resources. And so does our relationships. That so oftentimes we say, I'll be praying for you. And then don't follow it up with praying for you. <laughs> uh, one, of the, one of the things this year... I was, I was listening to a podcast where a gentleman was saying, what's your word for the year? And I thought, well, that's a one word. <laughs> well, how, how, what's, what's that? But the word that quickly came to me, for me, was bold. And what that meant for me in that moment, among other things, what that meant for me is, is when a thought comes to my mind, when a person comes to my mind, pick up the phone and call them, or get in the car and go to them. When, when I see somebody in need and I have a few bucks in my pocket, do something. And how, how many times do we, do we think about a need, do we see a need, and we're like, I don't... I was, I was texting a friend of mine this morning. In, in one week, she lost her, her mother-in-law and her mother this past week. And she commented, I, I said, who's, you know, who's, who's, who's with you right now? And she said, nobody's been here. And we were texting back and forth and, and we we're just talking about how in, in death, sometimes we just, we don't know what to say and so we don't say anything. <laughs> that we don't want to burden somebody and so we don't bother them. We need to get better at that. <laughs> That when, when we see a need, when we see somebody hurting, when we see somebody going through something, you know, the, the best thing that Job's friends did in, in the book is just come and sit with him. The worst thing they did was open their mouths and, and, start, trying, <laughs> and start trying to explain what was happening to Job. Go ahead and read it and you'll, you'll, hear, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. But sometimes what we need is just to go and sit with somebody. Pray with them. Buy them a cup of coffee. Send them a meal. Just encourage them. That's, a, that's what I need. <laughs> that when, when I look back at, at my life in, in different situations where we were, we, were, we were telling a story to Ben and Rebecca about when my wife was in a car accident. She was pregnant with our, with our, third, our third child and about eight, seven, eight months pregnant with our, with our third and was in a pretty significant car accident and the, one of the things that I remember most from that day was my pastor calling me and praying for me and what that meant for me at that moment and, and the people that came around us in that moment and that's a long story and luckily it has a good ending but what I remember from that day most significantly is the prayer over the phone not even in person how I texted him and I said, hey, Julie was just in a car accident. And then I expected a text back maybe an hour later. He's a busy guy. 
But then I got a phone call back and he just started praying for me and encouraging me and it just meant so much to me. You have dreams and talents and thoughts that the world has not seen. uh, I was telling Ben, one of my favorite musicians uh, uh, is Harry Connick Jr. And he he has this song, One More Time, there's always one more time. When your dreams don't seem to work out, there's still time. How we we have thoughts and we have desires and we have things inside of us that we don't even share with our, with our closest friends that I think God wants to maybe shine a light on today. How, how he sees a heart that you have, a desire that you have, a dream that you have that is too big for you because every dream that God gives is too big for you. <laughs> every situation that God puts you in is too big for you. We weren't meant to do life alone. That when we come together, we do so much more together than we could ever do apart. It, how if your dream for your life, if your desire for your life, if your goal for your life is reasonable, you need to up the ante. You need, you need to start dreaming more. And we do that. We think, okay, I'm, I'm capable of this. But God sees so much more in you. God sees so much more in, in, in you and what you're able to do. We all struggle with inadequacy, with insecurity, of wondering if we're enough, if we have enough, if there's enough in the bank. We all struggle with that. But what you have is not static. What you have is not fixed. Your resources are not capped. Your intelligence is not static, it's not, it's not fixed. I know that you can be smarter because I have been much dumber. <laughs> I, I know that I can be smarter. <laughs> you know, and, and some of us have different talents and aptitudes and abilities, that's for sure. God's gifted us uniquely and, and given us perspective in different, different situations, but we also have the ability to grow, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. to let our heart... I, I know as, as, as we have three um, biological children and, and other children that are in our lives, and I remember thinking early on how when, when we added number two, you know, thinking like, how am I going to love this one as much as I love the other one? And it's not even a thought, it just happens. <laughs> how, how love is not this limited commodity that, oh, I have to take love away from her and now give it to him. How love just is, is, has the ability, we, you can limit it, but it has the ability to continually expand. And so does mercy and compassion and forgiveness and your gifts and your talents have the ability to expand if, if we steward them, if we use them, if we put them out there. All I have, all they had was seven loaves and two small fish. And Jesus took it. He thanked God for it. He gave it back to his disciples. He put his intention on it. He put his perspective on it and multiplied it beyond comprehension. I mean, there, there is no math <laughs> that, make, that makes sense in this story. 
But that's what God wants to do in the world. How he wants to bring forgiveness that leads to life in ways that we didn't think was possible. He wants to restore relationships and he wants to touch people and bring healing and wholeness and hope and recovery in ways that my mind don't see as possible. How when we come across somebody and we think it's just too far gone, it's just this is too much, this is too much to overcome, God has a way. And how I think I don't have, I don't have the words for the situation. I don't, I don't have the, the wisdom for this dynamic. I don't, I don't have the resources for this need. But God finds a way. God wants to put his intention on what you have and transform it, multiply it, expand it. No matter how talented you are, no matter how much resources you have, no matter how intelligent you are, you will never fulfill all that God desires for you on your own. We need Jesus to expand it. Because in the end of the story, it says they all ate as much as they wanted. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food, and there were 4,000 men who were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. They picked up seven large baskets. It doesn't even make sense to me. <laughs> but God expanded what they had. Mm-hmm. That Jesus said to them, well, what do you have? <laughs> what do you got? Mm-hmm. All right, let's lay it on the table. This is what we got. This is what's here right now. Let's own it. Let's recognize it. Put it all out there. Mm-hmm. Then give it to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And let him... Put his intention on it. Put his power on it. Put his ability on it. And then receive it back because he's going to do his work through the church. It's Jesus' commitment. It's God's commitment to reach the world through his body. He can do amazing things and does amazing things with dreams and visions. And he is guiding and leading. And no man comes unless the Father reaches out to them first. We know that. But he uses us in that process. Mm-hmm. Think about your own life. Think about how God has touched you. You know, I'm sure we have stories of, of prayer and stories of, of Bible reading, but we also have stories of when people came and they touched us and they prayed for us and they, they fed us and they encouraged us. Mm-hmm. That so many times God comes to us through our neighbor, through our friend, through our pastor, through our, our, our house church leader, our life group leader through a random act of kindness. In the end, they had more than enough. You know, so much, we're we're looking for love, we're looking for grace, we're looking for compassion, we're looking for forgiveness, but in the economy of God or in, in the scriptures we see, that if you don't give those things away, you have a hard time receiving them. Mm-hmm. There's a passage in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus says, if you, if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And it isn't that God is withholding forgiveness, but I really think that it's, I'm unable to understand God's forgiveness if I can't forgive my brother and my sister. 
that I'm not going to understand forgiveness until I can learn how to forgive, that I'm not going to be able to comprehend the love of God until I give love away, that I'm not going to be able to receive the compassion that I need until I'm able to give it. You know, God starts that process. He's the initiator. <laughs> He's the provider. But we, we grow in it by letting it flow through us. Mm-hmm. We grow in forgiveness by walking in forgiveness. Mm-hmm. We grow in compassion by walking with compassion. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it doesn't make any sense to me, but we grow in our resources by being generous. <laughs> mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. But it never fails. Mm-hmm. And not always how we want it. <laughs> Not always how we expect it. Usually not how I want it. (laughs) It always comes in a different way. But Jesus is asking us to trust him. He's asking us to allow him to put his intention on us. On what we have. I I really like coffee. (laughs) And this is a a season where churches and, and Christians around the world... Celebrate Lent. I don't particularly do a lot with the season of Lent. Uh, we tend to use January as our time of, of prayer and fasting. But, but Christians around the world give up something oftentimes for Lent. And I'm not advising this, but imagine giving up coffee. How <laughs> <laughs> you give up coffee for a season? Let's just say maybe two weeks, three weeks. You give up. You give up coffee, and then imagine getting a coffee after you haven't had it and lifting it up to your, to your mouth and, and smelling the aroma of it and it's just like, oh, I've missed you. <laughs> and oftentimes, nothing has changed in the coffee but what has changed is me. <laughs> How my perspective on this delicious God-given drink <laughs> has changed because of something in me. How we need, a, we need a perspective shift so often on what we have. Yeah. On what is already in front of us. Mm-hmm. On, on the talents and resources and giftings that are right here, right now. That God says, I have a lot to do with what's right here. And we say, we just have seven loaves and two small fish. And God says, well, let me put my intention on it. Let me put my perspective on it. And then let's get to work. Because the disciples had to actually go and start handing it out. They couldn't just say, okay, here's what I got. That's it. <laughs> they, had, they had to walk it out, which is a miracle in of itself that they even tried. <laughs> but that's what I believe God is asking of us. That's what he's been asking of me. How I'm in the the middle of my story, I know it's the middle of my story because it's not the beginning, it's not the end, at least as far as I know. <laughs> so the, my story is not over. And your story is not over. And the story of this church isn't over. And the story of this city isn't over. Mm-hmm. And the story of our nation isn't over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people that I don't have faith in, <laughs> mm-hmm. but God's not done yet. I invite you to, to stand. I'm, I'm going to pray, and Benny can close however you like, but I, I'd like to pray for you. I'd like for you to ask the Holy Spirit a question. I invite you to ask the Holy Spirit a question. And that question is, what do I have in my hands 
that you want to do something with. What do I have? Not what are you going to bring me? Not what are you going to teach me? Not what wisdom are you going to bestow upon me? But what do I already have? It could be anything. It could be the, the 50 bucks in your pocket, or it could be this dream that you have, or it could be just the compassion and the love that motivates you. But just take a moment right now, and I invite you to ask the Holy Spirit, Jesus, what do I have that you want to highlight right now? Jesus, my prayer for every person here, every person watching online, every person that is in this city, my prayer is that you multiply, God, what's in our hands right now. God, your, your desire is for all people to know you. That is your prayer, your desire. And you've chosen to work through your body. To work through this church, to work through every person here now watching online. God, we, we ask that you change our perspective on what's right in front of us. On what we have. Not on our perspective on what Ben has or not our perspective on what our neighbor has, but on what we individually have how you want to do a work in us that as we come together and we hand, each, every, each and every one of us hand to you what we have, it's your desire to multiply it, to bring life and hope and love and recovery, kind of wholeness to these streets. God, multiply. Give, give us dreams, give us passions, give us desires. Help us to see beyond what we, what we see. Help us to see beyond what's possible and to see what you can do with what we have as we give it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Justin, for that word. I'm so glad that God is a giver. God's love gives. He's put something in our hands and he expands it. Aren't you? Amen. God is one who expands. All right, grace and peace to you. Have a great week.